0: Karen, you like to pick, play complicated women. And I'm like, well, what other kind of women are there but I was going to say, hello. <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Karima, and this is the Blurred Girl Podcast. First up, a word from our sponsor. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because Geek is universal. This is an interview that actually was up on YouTube first, but I wanted to share it in podcast format um, for those people that missed it. So basically, this interview is with actress Karen Pittman. Karen is, I think, now most well-known for her portrayal of Inspector Priscilla Ridley, the Netflix show Marvel's Luke Cage. But Karen's been in the business for a minute, and I've actually known Karen for a long time. We went to school together. Some of the banter in this podcast is because we do know each other, but... But I think it's a really great interview because she talks about some of the roles she has, what it's like being in like the Marvel Universe, as well as actually what it's really like being a black female actress in Hollywood today. So definitely check this interview out. Please comment, please subscribe. Tell me if you like. I'm trying to get more interviews with more amazing people like this. Please comment and subscribe. So here is my interview with actress Karen Pittman. So, Karen, hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. And uh, I'm really happy. Of course. I'm I'm really happy that I'm getting a chance to
0: talk to you. Um, Now, most people listen. Well, you're getting a chance to talk to me, but I basically had to beg you to. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just be real about it. Actually. Because Because I've known the blur girl for decades now. And I basically had to call her well you know what it
1: is i actually felt like you know you did by the time you did luke cage i'm like she's not gonna talk to me she's big now well think of,
0: think of it whatever
1: all- <laughs> that's about it. that
0: doesn't have anything to do with me But um so yes, yes No, the blur girl black girl nerds you guys know i paid very close attention to all that stuff since i did luke cage and you guys are obviously all involved in the uh, world of comics. And so I pay close attention to what you guys do and, and especially you, because we are old friends.
1: It's simply because you've been so amazingly successful. A lot of people now know your name because of Luke Cage and how y'all broke Netflix. And they think that you're a breakout star, which I find hilarious because you've been an actress for as long as I've met right. you. Yeah, like, I've, actually, I've, I've, I, it's like, actually, when I met you, you were singing.
0: Yeah, that's actually. true, that's true, <laughs> that's true, that's true. And I still sing, but no one, no one no one, has yet to actually pay me really good money to do it. I, I um, That's true, yeah. No, obviously, I think this is true for a lot of people. It's true for Mike Coulter, it's true for Simone Missick, it's true for all of us who kind of um, saw this um, show, Luke Cage... Um, kind of explode off of Netflix and into the world was that uh, people knew us, quote unquote, but they didn't really know us. And we have been doing it for um, a while. Obviously we've been grinding it out as actors, trying to find the right projects that Mm -hmm. pull our work forward and pull the story forward. And, and uh, what we all, I think, What's great about Luke Cage is that we all kind of found a home in the storytelling with Cheo and the group of writers that he brought together. And it was a real sort of synergistic, collaborative environment to work on here in Brooklyn where um, they film Luke Cage and um, a lot of the other Marvel comic series. And so it's been um, it was really it was really great, but let me say that it is always nice to get some acknowledgement from the industry uh, that people like what you're doing. I mean, it doesn't matter when it comes. Th- this
1: is true. This is true because mm-hmm. then it, it's uh, at least you have an idea of where you are in the in the grander, you know, scheme of things. Um, now, to that end, like you said, you've been acting for quite some time. How long? Have, How long have you been in the game? Let's say officially. Can you No, you know, I
0: will say I went to, I went, obviously we went to Northwestern together and Mm -hmm. then I went to grad school. I finished in 2007. Okay. So I will say that my, I've officially been an actor, Wayne finished NYU in 2007. I would say at least, you know, for all intents and purposes, I've been getting paid to do this since 2007. So 10 years, this would be my 10 year anniversary come July or August or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but you've done a lot in those 10 years, including winning
1: a, uh, theater world award for your portrayal of Jory in mm-hmm. the bl- Broadway play Disgraced. So congratulations, congratulations first for that. And thank you. tell us a little bit, like we'll get into TV in a minute, but let's back up and cause you know, theater is where you were trained. So let's talk about a little bit about Disgraced and what that experience was like.
0: Well, you know, that's true. Theater for me is a mountaintop experience. It's, um, it is the place where actors go and really hone their craft they get to sharpen their tools against really other actors and we get to hear the experience of the audience in the moment of uh, revealing the story to them and whatever plot twists happen Um, you become a a much better actor because you can't really fool an audience that's right in front of you do you know what i mean yeah yeah there's no other takes you don't just stop and to no, too. No. <laughs> and you, and you have to be so focused and concentrated you have a longer rehearsal period obviously um the um play disgraced was a turning point for me as an actor because i really decided in that moment to hand myself over to the story mm-hmm. um and it wasn't about me as an actor or me as a person or me and what i wanted to be on the stage it really was about being of service to this story about um Uh, basically a man who is struggling with identity uh, as a Muslim American in New York City. And uh, I I was playing one of his colleagues at work, and I bring in a very important plot twist. And if your listeners have not read the play Disgraced or Mm -hmm. seen it, they should really make an effort to do that. It will come to HBO at some point in the future and um, but I will I, it really was a turning point for me as an actor um, in understanding what my role is mm-hmm. um, in the interpretation of every story that a writer brings to me so yeah theater is very important to me it's very close to my heart I will always go back to theater no matter what. I'm doing, I will find a way to go back because it does just help me to be a better uh, person and a better actor.
1: Well, do you think that one of the challenges without giving away that, you know, the plot and everything of playing Jory um, in Disgraced was the different layers of her character, the different, because she
0: has a couple of roles. Right. I think, um, you know, that is the, I've often been said, Karen, you like to pick, Play complicated women, and I'm like, well, what other kind of women are there? I was going to say hello. Yeah, that's like (laughs) yeah, complicated. My daughter is seven years old. She's complicated. Like that's just how we come. Yeah, that's how we come onto the earth. And yeah, absolutely. I think that there is a great. You know, I come from a musician background, and you want to be able to play every single note available to you, uh, or riff on that those notes, if possible, in the development of a character too, as well as the development of a song or a development of of any sort of um, artistic pursuit. So um, I think that's really where that play excels, there are many great characters in there that have different, uh, the nuance of what they're doing and what they're saying and the truth that that writer is trying to expose um, through the storytelling is really important and um, uh, exciting.
1: It is, and you know what's interesting is that I really felt those layers when I saw you play Lisa on um, The Americans, um, because at first I was like, "Is this gonna be another like angry or put upon black woman there for other characters to lean on?" Oh. But but when I looked at your character, I'm like, "Oh no, no! See, she's doing it again. She's she's putting another few layers in there." Lisa, I actually felt had was another one of those multi-layered characters and every scene, every scene that you were in with the main character, um, I, I was looking at you. I wasn't looking at her.
0: Well, you know, that was the interesting thing, but cause, cause you know, they talk a lot about how the, how strong the women, the female characters are on, on, um, the Americans. Mm-hmm. And that is part and parcel of, you know, I, I know that, um, there are some female writers on, the Americans who were very specific about it, like there are no wallflowers, a character of Elizabeth Jennings that uh, Carol, Elizabeth Jennings, that Carrie Russell mm-hmm. plays is not by any stretch of the imagination, um, a sort of small minded, small mouthed, um, you know, woman who's over here, you know, following behind her husband and spying for the Russian government. So none of the female characters on the Americans show women that are not fully, Aware of what's happening with themselves. They are making choices that they feel like are best out of very difficult situations, rock and hard place uh, decisions, um, which we often have to make when we get to a certain age as as women. And Mm -hmm. so um, I did feel like they explored that over the three seasons that I was on The Americans. And I I think those female,
1: I think it makes a difference when there's women in the writer's room. It really does.
0: Oh, yeah, it really, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, But, yeah, her character was, was awesome because she was, you know, sort of the sponsor, the alcoholic sponsor for Carrie's character. But at the same time, she had this dynamic going on with her husband and there's a scene where I just did. I think the scene that really got me was when you were sitting there trying to explain her. She's like, you were, you said the same line over and over again. He's a good man. He really Mm. is a good man. But every time you said it, it meant something different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a woman in denial. Yes, (laughs) it is. And that's also the,
1: yeah, it is. And it's, it's almost like she was by the third time she was convincing herself, trying to convince
0: herself. Right. Um, Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, but I want to go back to something you said about great to have women in the writers room. I will say that there are some men that really do write well for women. I mean, I okay. will say that um, you know I work with Louis C.K. on Horace and Pete, yes, you know, wonderful show that he did that's now on uh, Hulu. It's on Hulu, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and he wrote wonderful scenes for um, me on that show and for um, uh, AD Bryant and for. Um, Oh God, why am I blanking on Edie Falco Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just really wonderful characters. Uh, You know, there are writers who, um, obviously we want to have more people of color, more women, more everything in the Mm -hmm. writer's room that really can reflect the, the widest possible version of every story. And not just because, um, you sort of want that in there, but because it really does make a story better to have different viewpoints, different perspective when you're writing. Um, but also because, um, it just, um, it's just a much more interesting collaborative effort. It just really does make it a difference. It is. And to that end though, Louis
1: CK, um, is hilarious, but also I've also noticed that comedians, uh, and I will put, uh, Jordan Peele in this category as well yeah. mm-hmm. um, have a very unique way of I think they can write multi layered characters and can write characters that aren't so cookie cutter because they don't look at the world that way.
0: Yeah, and I also think it's it's how that that writer has grown. You know, I'm yeah. often people often say to me, "What what is the role that you want to do, and what are the characters that you want to do?" And I often think, you know it really for me, isn't about the character or the part. Um, Even it it is about the story. Obviously you want to do something original, Um, but it is about the collaborative effort. And I I often find myself falling in love with writers Mm -hmm. because that's where the word begins. You know, that is the gospel that creates the world that creates so much more than just one character, but it creates relationships and, and, and all the other things that pull people into the story. So I would obviously say that Jordan Peele was, was wonderful at that. And, um, um, Terrell, uh, McCraney and, Mm -hmm. um, obviously director of moonlight are excellent at creating that world and stories and people and relationships. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to look at all aspects of that and, um, but, yeah, I love Jordan, Appeal, and obviously Louis. Yeah, all, yeah and I, I was excited to see that you were on that
1: show, too. And I was also excited to see how he cast that. It was a fun show. Um, yeah. Th- the um, Okay, now jumping forward, Luke Cage. Now, there were actually also, obviously, a lot of male writers on that. Uh, Chao huh. wrote those and, and, and several other people did. And the So I'm going to get what I want to know out of the way First, what what was it like working with the likes of Alfred Woodard? Well, that's...
0: (laughs) I know, right? Earlier in the year, I had done... I've done a movie because I'm such, I'm so name dropping right now, but whatever. Oh, I know what Um, you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're going to talk about custody? Yes. I did a movie with Viola Davis. And then later on in the year, I got cast in Luke Cage and I found out that I'd be working with Alfre Woodard. And I was like, well, this black actress can go back home to Mississippi now because it can't get much better. Right.
1: Um, Right. And And I think I flipped those around because to the rest of us, we saw Luke Cage, I think, before we saw... Oh, yeah.
0: Custody. So
1: in my world, you did one before the other, but you're right. right. It, it, you shot that one first. No, yeah, girl, that you've made it. You've made it. That's why I didn't I know, see. Right? This is why I didn't think you were going to talk to me. Because I'm like, she ain't going to talk to me. Yes, I know. Well,
0: of course I was. But the thing was the thing was that, yeah, Alfred Woodard is consummate, 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 funny, politically inclined, mm-hmm. opinionated, um, smart, intelligent, youthful, um, beautiful, um, Down to earth. I mean, all the adjectives that people use to explain who she is and more. Was she everybody's Um, auntie on set? Was she? (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, you know, she was not offering, you know, sage kitchen table wisdom. You know, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. She was working. No, she was there to work. She was there to create this really uh, interesting, nuanced villain Mm -hmm. that uh, is a black woman, a black woman that we all know.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: she don't care nothing about you, really. Really. You know what I mean? She was a, <laughs> she was a politician. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, she was out for the quote unquote people. Do you know? Um, I loved her portrayal of yeah. that, uh, of Mariah. I and the little, amazing. Yeah, the little known history of it was that I actually auditioned for the part of Mariah. Oh wow! Yeah, I auditioned for it, and I knew that they were going to be looking for someone older and a little bit, um, uh, a little bit more um, uh, seasoned as an actor. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get this part, but I obviously want to be considered for something else on this. Uh, in this show. And of course I heard that they got Alfred Woodard for it. And I was like, of course I got Alfred Woodard. I mean, who else is there? But I mean, you know, it,
1: it still means if you're going to lose to lose to Alfred Woodard is
0: not, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't even know if I was in the running with <laughs> Alfred Woodard. Let's just say that I did it for the part. I didn't get it, but I did end up doing, um, the other, um, part, obviously. In Priscilla. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my favorite, you know, you, There's been a lot of talk about the scene where uh, myself and Simone Missick and Alfred Woodard and Cassandra Freeman were in, you know, uh, Inspector Ridley's office. Yes, girl. Yes, that is my scene about police brutality. (laughs) But one of the other really wonderful scenes, and I think that they probably trimmed it down a little. Yeah, they did trim it down a lot. Was the scene where um, Mariah is in the. Uh, interrogation room, mm-hmm. and Missy has Missy has one of her first misty visions, right? Yeah, and um, that scene was to watch Alfred do that over and over again. The respect that people had on the set for her, that the crew had when she was trying to conjure this woman that Latanya Richardson uh, uh, had played earlier uh-huh. in the uh, season. She was trying to con- conjure uh, Mama mabel Mm -hmm. and bring that into uh the room bring it on to set and uh it was it was absolutely mesmerizing i mean i learned so much just from watching her work that day and she worked she did that over and over and over again different every time Mm -hmm. i mean she just really is such a gifted actor and uh just just really i can't say enough about her it was wonderful And that's awesome to
1: be in the presence of someone who actually does have that. But now let's go back to the, the scenes that you were in because you had some great scenes with Simone Missick, who I'm also a big fan of. Maybe, maybe since you've talked to me, maybe she'll talk to me now. I'm such a fan girl. Um, (laughs) You're great. (laughs) Thank you. The, um, that's the, okay. Now, for those of you listening who don't know, my day job is sort of doing editing and graphics for commercials and promos. So I'm often tasked with telling a short story with a bunch of people in it. And you would be surprised, maybe you wouldn't be, how many times I'm told not to have too many people of a certain race or ethnicity like all together in one scene because, oh, no, no, then that's going to seem like we're doing a target market spot or a target market ad or whatever. <laughs> sure. yeah, so, yeah. So even in your casting, I have been in situations where I have seen them, well, we can't put that black woman and that black woman together because they look too much alike and I, and I because they can't tell us apart. What I think was amazing was that that scene, and this is why the scene in the hallway with you and um, Simone, and basically the it, the the scene is you are obviously Inspector, and you're overall everything in that situation. But Alfred Woodard is there with Mariah is arguing her point. The mother of a child that has been harmed in police custody is there as well as Misty. So everybody has a different point of view, and it's an example of intersectionality within. The black female community and it was like so mind-blowing to me because we never see it
0: right i mean i i think alfrey was the one who brought that up in the moment mm-hmm. and um there's a picture on um simone's social media that was after the day after or the moments after we did shot that scene mm-hmm. because alfrey Said, "Look, I want I want a copy of this because I know that this. You know how often this happens. Never, right? So, um, so we took a picture, and of course, you know, we have standby actors who represent us um, when we are not working, and they stand in place for us. Yeah, um, and those girls were there, and they were br- they're brown women all over." The cast that day because it, you know, Alfred had her stand in, I had my stand in. You know, it was just, it, it was as if it were you know, a Terry McMillan book novel or something. <laughs> you know, it was if Ta Coates had written this for fictional story. I mean, it was really, it was kind of an amazing moment. I didn't re- recognize in the moment what it was because I was just working, do right? You know? Right. But, um, she did. And I'm and I'm thrilled that people have noticed it in social media and otherwise of how how amazing uh, it actually is to see a show reflect the humanity of, of uh, African-Americans, but also to see African-American women so strongly portrayed uh, on a TV show. Yeah.
1: And one more question about that scene. Was it all scripted or was that ad libbed? Actually, no, no, no scripted. It was scripted. scripted. Okay. And beautifully beautiful scripted. It was beautifully scripted. Um and your scenes that you the most of your scenes that you did, were you allowed to ad lib a little bit?
0: Or were you You
1: know, we put <laughs> We pushed them. <laughs>
0: che- Cheo was like, great continuity. Awesome. Yeah, like... <laughs> Cheo was like, um, no, we're not going to say that. You know, you know, as actors, when you go on set, you collaborate with a writer and with directors because you don't want from episode to episode to quote unquote break your character's spine. Uh huh. So you don't want to have to recreate a character every time you see- come on the episode. You want to keep the continuity going not just for yourself, but for the episode comes after that and the episode that comes after that and the episode that comes after that and um so there's it's some improv that goes on i mean certainly the line where uh, simone says something about you know sk- she's just gonna let her ski we on out of here that was an improv line which and was it, hilarious it, <laughs> yeah it is which it which for the writers as the writers were developing later episodes um felt bold enough to bring up actually no um we mariah is uh of uh you know mariah and inspector ridley are deltas in fact i was gonna say the deltas they're not AKAs.
1: and again that's a that's a like a black college experience moment which i thought was absolutely um hilarious now were you now i i know you know something about um this universe of you know everybody making comic books into movies into tv shows you know things like that were you ready for the fandom were you ready for the
0: (laughs) you know i wasn't because i to be perfectly honest when i encountered luke cage and the opportunity to work on the show um I didn't know much about it. So I went to my son and I said, "Do you know who Luke Cage is?" He's like, "Mom, are you going to get a job on Luke Cage?" Oh, that's awesome. I was like, <laughs> am I do I get some mommy award points for that shit? Because if I do. Yes. I am. And I, and I might meet Luke Cage. He's like, mom, that'd be so cool. Oh my God. I was like, okay, great. I'm taking the job. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love I, how I, the kids have a decision in this. This is awesome. It's great. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really, I mean, I, know. I, I, you know, I needed the money, but, um, <laughs> be honest. but, um, but the truth of the matter was that, yeah, no, I did not. I think the Marvel universe, cinematic universe is something unlike I, I was e- ever expecting to encounter. And I find that. Comic book fans are uh, the most inspiring with their humor, with their wit, you know, um, with their take on what's going on. Um, It was the hardest part was not to be able to let out to my friends like you. Yeah, what you were doing. (laughs) That I was going to be on a significant part of it because it was all over. the. But of course, you know, I I didn't want to get fired by Marvel and never worked. Yeah, no, I heard about Another the I heard, Marvel I heard Marvel. about the Marvel snipers. Yeah. They're they're they're, they're
1: very serious. And no, yeah. no, I had no idea. When I sat down and watched New Kid, it's so funny because I'm literally screaming my head off when you walked on the screen. Oh, wait,
0: wait. oh my God. That's Karen. Oh my God. I know, <laughs> I know. to a Nina Simone song no yes. more. <laughs> okay. Ali Shahi Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> okay you okay I got you <laughs> raphael said gee yes okay. ex- exactly and it was
1: it yeah there, there was so many moments in that show that I was like oh my god this is awesome but then yeah I was and a lot of people it's interesting because a lot of people had a lot of different things to say and here's one thing that I will say that's about I've always been a geek but the comics the the conversations we're having around comics and comic books and these movies now versus when I was a kid is sort of like they are more, they're making these for adults and there's having right, adult right. conversations and they're having commentary on politics and on you know, social justice and things like that. So I think that's why it's so funny because I talk to people, <laughs> this has happened my whole life. Like, Oh wow. You're really into comics. Like I thought that was for kids. I'm like, have you ever been to a comic book convention? Cause yeah. it's all grown people, all adults. Have you ever been to a toy fair? Because it's all adults. Like right, right. it's a business at the end of the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I just think it's interesting. Now there's a lot of people that were on both sides of the fence after, um, Luke Cage came out everybody watched it everybody thought it was amazing everybody I know anyway and but there was talk about respectability politics versus sticking to the you know the roots of the character and I've, I I right. remember saying several times like y'all you didn't want them to stick to the roots of the character because Luke Cage originally was like born of the exploitation era and that right. would have made y'all very very angry so All I'm right. very happy that Cheo, um Changed his, you know, altered it, and basically brought it, made it more uh uh recent. And I'm so happy that there were so many black female voices involved. But it's so interesting. Uh, have you heard any of that those musings about respectability politics and not wanting
0: to use the n word? And well, you know, I have, I have, I've read a couple of things that you know, I usually pay attention to critical to what the critics say. I haven't with this because it really the show isn't about. Um, me. It isn't about Mm -hmm. the police. It is about the world of Harlem and it's about Luke Cage. So um, there wasn't it wasn't like I didn't pay attention to it, but I didn't invest and engage in a lot of the critical discussion about what the story was about. What I am pleased about is that the story is relevant today. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cheo. This is born of his experience as a Black man who really, an African American, an American person who grew up in uh, this country. And who was enthralled by Luke Cage as a young man and was able to bring this story um, to the screen and made it a 21st century, phen- for me, part of a 21st century phenomenon of what Marvel is about now, not yeah. about what Marvel was about 30 years ago, because yeah. we do live in a world now where um, racism and um Uh, modern-day slavery and modern-day oppression looks very different than what it looked like in the 70s, you know? Yeah. Um, Uh,
1: The hoodie. Yes, exactly. Even the fact that a superhero is somebody who wears a hoodie and is bulletproof, That the fact uh, that that's a black man is a huge thing. Like,
0: the... happened in 2015 2016 2007 that's yeah. that, that's a conversation for now yeah and not for like even the 2000s do you know what i mean like it wouldn't have as much resonance then as it does now and so i think that's part of the reason why the story of luke cage is pushed through in such a big way and is and this is a one of the first times that um one of the marvel comics has been so a uh, world is has a worldwide audience this is yeah. the first time taking it to as many countries as they've taken it um so it's very exciting no i don't i don't pay attention to the hater <laughs> <laughs> no are we gonna see you in defenders
1: are we gonna see you in one of these future are you allowed you to guys tell are... us or is it like this like you guys are so sneaky <laughs> Are you going to be in punisher? Because, I mean, you're in the precinct. You're in the precinct. You're in, you know... I mean, I know it's a precinct in Harlem, but, you know, it's New York. You get transferred. Y'all are... Like...
0: (laughs) What I will say is that, obviously, I had a great time working with Cheo and all of the, the players and the writers and the producers and the actors. If I am asked to come back to the world of Luke Cage, I would be so pleased and happy to be a part of it. But... I do not know if that's going to happen, and if it were, I couldn't tell you because then I have to kill you through the phone. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And I wouldn't be able to report to anybody else. It wouldn't be a lie. <laughs> and your mama would kill me. No, I just, I don't. You know what? It's so exciting. I'm just excited that everybody else is
1: excited about it. Have you been to any comic book convention since it came out? Because it drops. I like, haven't. It drops the same week as like. It dropped before New York Comic Con. So you missed that craziness.
0: I haven't. I haven't. I I have been very, very busy, actually. And as you know, I'm a single mom. So I am at home with my kids most of the time not most of the time that's a damn lie i'm with the kids a lot <laughs> but you do but you do what you got to do you hold but it down I do, but i but i you know but i work a lot and i and as, when i'm not working i am with them but obviously i have time to sit down and talk to friends about the work that i'm doing and the work they're doing like like this um but yeah um there are a couple of projects coming up that i'm working on uh again i have nothing to say about any of the marvel projects but there are a couple of other projects that i can talk about okay the play at lincoln center that i'm mm-hmm. doing this summer and you guys can come see it in june it will go from june until august and there'll be something on my social media about it for sure okay great yeah i definitely want uh, to get that information i will be on the girlfriend's guide to divorce uh, last season is upcoming, and I went to Vancouver to work with Retta, which was great fun. And um, uh, I am in a movie with John Boyega in, in uh, 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 that um, Catherine Bigelow directed. What? Untitled Detroit project about the D- Detroit riots, and it's really um, it's a short little part, but it's it's fun and um, so there are a couple of things coming up later on this year that I'm excited about, and hopefully more that I can keep talking about. Yeah. You- and, and definitely, definitely put it out in
1: social media, obviously hit me up. Cause you know, I will, I will definitely yell and scream about it. Um, and, is there any other things right now that are, cause it sounds like you're in between a couple projects. What is, what is inspiring you right now? Or what is, what is, what are you, what's your focus on right now?
0: Well, like a lot of people, I'm interested in what's going on politically. Like mm-hmm. right at this very moment, they're they're um, voting for the affordable uh, to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and yeah. like many Americans right now, I'm thinking about what that's going to mean for my fellow uh, community members here in New York. You know, we're very insulated here um, yeah. because we have a mayor. Uh, and a Governor who insists on uh, our country reflecting the best of our cultural experience and continuing that, and uh, I feel very safe and protected in New York, and when I go to Los Angeles, obviously many of those folks feel that way yeah um, so but I am concerned for the other friends of mine and community members that live in Middle America and who live in the south, as you know i 'm from Mississippi and yeah. Tennessee and and I'm, I'm actually thinking a lot about that, how we can um, be involved in social justice, how we can be active and involved in making sure our government really does uh, do the thing that we've sent them to Washington to do and hold them accountable. So that's a lot of work to do when you're not working. But um, I am one of those actors that feels like... Um, Uh, (laughs) to act means to be an activist, right? So much of my work that you'll see me do, and hopefully uh, people will look into my body of work, they will see human beings or characters that I've created that reflect my own personal feelings, my own personal politics, the politic that I live by, Mm -hmm. which is love and inclusion and ingenuity and and, uh, innovation and what we do as human beings and how we strive. Um, I think that's one of the major um, characteristics of an African-American community and now in the 21st century that we are, we always have been strivers. We want more. We want to achieve more, not just for ourselves, but for the people that come behind us. So hopefully, I'm engaging, not uh, when I'm working, I'm engaging that conversation and when I'm not working, I'm actively involved with the rest of America and making sure that we stay connected to that.
1: And that's, that's exactly, uh, I think one of the reasons why I kind of started my blog and my commentary on, on pop culture and what we're seeing in the images in the media and things like that. And there's been obviously a lot of talk about Oscar still white and things like that, but I keep trying to explain that Oscars so white doesn't just mean black people. It's meaning a lot of people in a lot of different places and we need to see a lot of different stories. And I think that a lot of these shows that when, every time there is a Luke Cage or a, you know, get out or, or something to that effect, or, or even a custody, you know what I mean? We're seeing, um, not just the depth of you know you guys as as professionals as an actors, but I think we are seeing some of those things come out. And you know, Karen, you're doing amazing, amazing work. And I'm really, really this is really personal. I'm really, really proud of you. It's so awesome Uh-oh. to see somebody that I like. I remember when, <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Uh, and now see you doing what you said you were going to do and doing it well and getting the accolades that you should have been getting all along for it. I'm, I'm just uh, so happy to say, yay.
0: Thank you, you know. On that note, I am going to go to see, this weekend, a, a Broadway play is opening. Lynn Nottage's play, Sweat. Okay. And it, she is only, the, if you can believe this, only the third African-American playwright, female, African-American female playwright to be on Broadway. What? Uh, I know only the third, only the third. The second was denied Mm-hmm.
1: And
0: I'm actually going to present an award to deny. Uh, Cause we went to the same school. We both went to New- NYU presented an award to her in a, in a week or two at that gala. But this Sunday I will go to support Lynn and celebrate her and the work of these incredible actors. Um, As her, you know, she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, which is, it's it's crazy that she has not been on, uh, had a Broadway opening yet, but this is her Broadway opening and I'm so proud and happy to support her as a theater maker myself to support her in all of her incredible body of work. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. As these stories, um, as we see more of our stories actually getting a broader audience and being put in, in bigger places, we're going to start to see uh, our communities open up and start to be more inclusive, which is what this is really all about.
1: It absolutely is. Karen, thank you so much. Can you tell everybody where
0: to find you on the interwebs and the social media? Yes. Landscape. Find me at Pittman Karen at Pittman Karen on Twitter, at Pittman Karen on Instagram. I think I might be Karen Pittman on Facebook. but find me and tell me how you are and what you guys are thinking about. And you know, no haters, just love as, as my son says, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that, no, that's wonderful. And we will absolutely reach
1: out and I'm going to put, um, all your information also, um, up at the end of this. So everybody can, can see and follow and support. Thank you so much. for this, is great fun. Let's do do this, this again. Yes, we have to, I'd like to do it in person with alcohol, but. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but we it, it'd be awesome if we could really actually all find other like actors and people to sit down and really have more of like
0: even a, a roundtable discussion about um, some of the themes we and stuff do that we're if seeing. we should get together with Mara brock a kill and we should have a conversation oh, no, we
1: actually absolutely As should
0: use uh, the northwestern sort of thing that you know it's marvel comics and dc comics that we sit down and we talk about because you know she and salim are doing um, black lightning which they is are doing be black awesome. lightning yeah it's be awesome i mean i am so excited to see it and um I would love to hear the process of putting together Black Lightning and talking about what Luke Cage looked like for Marvel Comics and see what they're doing with DC comics. It would be very exciting to hear about that. It would be especially from like
1: black women's point of view. I hear it absolutely. Mm. We're this gonna have to make great, this happen.
0: This is a great blur
1: girl blog, I think we yes. We're going to have to make this happen. But thank you so much, Karen. And we will absolutely, absolutely follow you uh, on the interwebs. Thank you so much. Wasn't that awesome, guys? Thank you guys so much. Please remember to comment and subscribe and let me know what you think of this. And if you'd like to hear more podcasts like this. See you on the interwebs.